Bridget Tad with Afropunk Solution Sessions, and we're here at Sundance. Afropunk and Color of Change are both here celebrating their 15-year anniversaries this year. So it's very exciting, and we're super excited to be kicking off this partnership and amplifying the good work that Color of Change has been doing for 15 years. Yeah, and I'm Kendrick Sampson. Um, this is a powerful collaboration and a way for Color of Change to elevate its Hollywood work, uh, ensuring accurate portrayals of black people across TV and media. And that's why we're so, so, so excited to be joined by the icon, the change maker, the activist, the table shaker herself, Alicia Garza. Thank you so much for being here. Thank what you for having girl? me. So we were just talking about your um, interracial parent, you know, mm -hmm. coming up with interracial parents mm -hmm. in the house and, and how that informed your work. And, and um, I read that, you know, on Chris Hayes' podcast, you described your parents as not being very political, which mine weren't either. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I came up the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, interracial parents, um, they didn't talk about it in the household. Um, but because they were in an, in an interracial relationship, their lives were kind of inherently political. Right. Uh, is this something you've seen a lot where folks might not think of themselves as explicitly political or like into activism or politics, but by virtue of their identities, they find themselves having to navigate it? I mean, just to say it, I did not come up in a political home. My parents, I think, had an ethos that was very much like rooting for the underdog, but we didn't really talk about race in my house. And I'll, actually, I will say, my parents didn't talk about race together. My mom talked to me about race all the time, and my dad did not. And so I think part of that just comes from in their generation, right? Um, what they were trying to do was really kind of hit a standard that was set by the mainstream. And I think these times are totally different. I think that with the rise of Black Lives Matter, I think with the rise of all of these really important and incredible social movements, it's actually kind of like chic now to be political in a way, right? But with that being said, there are a lot of people who are not being touched by these movements. And frankly, there's a lot of people out there that think that to be an activist, you gotta have a bullhorn or a picket sign and you gotta you know, chain yourself to something. But the reality is, right, being an activist just means being active around the things that you care about. And that can be anything from going to a community meeting to build plans with your neighbors about how to keep each other safe. That can be about making sure that your local abortion clinic, right, is able to stay open and that the people who um, take advantage of those services are able to do so in such a way um, where they can get what they need to live well. Activism is not just about protest, right? Activism is about being active around the things that we care about, but it's also very much about building the power that our communities need so that we can be a part of the decision-making that is happening over our lives every single day. As you and I sit here right now, there are people inside of Congress that are making laws about things that are impacting you and me right this minute, whether it be local public transportation or whether it be whether the president right, gets to um, do quid pro quo deals with other countries in order to get the things that he wants at the expense of everybody else. So in a way, everything about our lives is political, whether it's about the food that we try to put on our tables, whether it's about our health and wellness, whether it's about police violence and police brutality, or whether it's about how much we're able to make every single day in order to get by, 
everything about our lives is political. And for you to be political just means that you want to be a part of the decisions that are being made about your life. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I actually, so with that, mm -hmm. how do you, so the stories that are told in Hollywood, a lot yeah. of time they, they are, they inform our culture, right? Correct. And black people specifically, and white people have owned that, those narratives um, because they own Hollywood, you know, for so long, <laughs> you <and> created, right? <laughs> and um, how do you how do you see that um, informing the stories that we see and how that translates into you know our our family life and our our, our life? where we don't see ourselves as political, even though it's like every step of the way mm -hmm. we're running into a political conversation yeah. or, or identity you know, yeah. problems or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well. And how can we, how can in we your opinion, how, how can we change that? Okay, well, I'll say this. When you asked me that question, there was a proverb that came to mind for me. And the proverb goes something like, um, until the lion has its own historian, tales of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. And essentially, Say what it that again. Means Wait a minute. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> Until the lion has its own historian, tales of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. Nice. So what that means to me, right, is that whoever has the power to tell stories, right, has the power to shape our reality. Yeah. And when we turn on our television every single day, whether it be watching CNN or whether it be watching Law and Order, we are being fed stories from the perspective of the powerful, of who we are and what we should strive for and dream about. Um, I'm a big fan of Law & Order SVU. Me too. It's a huge contradiction, but I've seen every episode probably a hundred times, and that's saying a lot because there's a zillion episodes. But you'll notice, right, that in those shows, there's like no black protagonists. The black people are always the criminals, and the white people are always the saviors. Um, the black people are always doing something insidious, or if there's ever an opportunity for a black person to be a protagonist, um, it's a fleeting moment, right? And it often is very stereotypical around um, how the powerful, right, see who black communities are. As long as um, white folks in this country have the power to tell stories about who we are and what we want and what we strive for, what we accept and what we deserve, then those are going to be the stories that we um, that we internalize about ourselves. And I personally think that the work that Color of Change is doing is so important because it's really working both in front of the scenes and behind the scenes to take that power back and to reshape the stories that shape our lives. And frankly, if we don't have that kind of activism, people who really care about what's being written about our communities, how are characters being developed about our communities, and what are the storylines that are being told about our communities, then the way that people get a lot of their um, values and ideologies, right, is through what they see on television or in movies. If we're not taking control of that, somebody else is going to. Definitely, I guess my next question would be, how do we take control of that? How do we make sure, as Kendrick said, Hollywood is very white. Mm -hmm. You know, you, sometimes it can feel like you have to have a connection or money or know a studio exec to get a story told. Yeah. 
how can we reclaim that power and tell those stories that are so impactful for our lives? Well, can I add to that? Because oh, yeah. I, I realized I'm this kind of like an old school, not old school, like a few years ago conversation if you're looking at it on the surface level. So I will say there's been a, a huge surge in diversity mm. lately um, and there's been a, a lot of diverse stories told, but I've also seen mm white influence in those stories, because 100%. who's greenlighting those stories, mm, right? If yes. they have 10 black filmmakers who are presenting stories, mm. you know, they have to pick one, which one are they gonna pick, right? <laughs> you know? Why are you trying to open this can? <laughs> <laughs> trying to get us all fired. <laughs> all right, well, let's talk about it. So I think the number one way to change the stories that are being told about us is to get involved in how those stories are being created and to support, right, not just um, black folks who are making films, as you've said, but black folks who are making complex stories about who we are that also um, help us reimagine what's possible for the futures of black communities. And, you know, this is, it does go to this age old question of is it enough just to have black people in the writer's room or do you need black people with a vision, right, mm -hmm. for what could be different about the way we tell black stories? And I think that it's that. It's black people with a vision for how things could be different around how our stories are being told and also who bring in different parts of our stories. You know, I love seeing trans characters on television, but I really love seeing trans actors play trans characters on television. Um, I love when I see um, stories about love affairs and relationships between people who are same sex or same gender. And I really love that, right? When those actors, right? Or even when the, the producers or the directors are that's their experience themselves. It's just more authentic and it tends to kind of shy away from the sensationalism mm. of what does it mean to be in a same-sex relationship or what does it mean to be a trans person and actually you get into the nuances of our stories which actually have a lot of connection and relationship to each other. Definitely. Um, so one question that I do have for you is, you know, you were talking earlier about how our lives are inherently political, even mm -hmm. if you're someone who is not into politics yes. or not into activism. You know, I think about folks like my cousin who would say, you know, I didn't vote, I don't vote. Yep. Both parties are the same, yep. you know, it doesn't matter who gets in the White House, it doesn't matter who's in Congress. I'm skeptical of all of them, I'm not going to vote. You know, we know that in 2020 the stakes are very high, particularly for marginalized folks. That's right. How do we get folks like my cousin who just wash their hands of it? How do we get them to understand that they have a part to play? Yeah, well, one of the things that we think is really important at the Black Futures Lab is not to tell people that their experiences aren't real. Right? Black people spend our whole lives being gaslit around the things that we deal with on a daily basis. So here's the reality. Politics is corrupt. Um, you know, people who are, are seeking our votes um, often care more about who can pay the top dollar rather than um, making sure that we're at the table making the decisions that they're making about us. And so to tell somebody who has all of that cynicism or skepticism about being active that, um, that they shouldn't feel that way is is weird. It's like, no, those are the real things um, that exist in our communities. And at the same time, I do think that what is important is not to stop there. Um, yes, politics is corrupt. Our democracy is, is fading and eroding before our eyes. And frankly, like it needed a lot of work before. <laughs> 
And at the same time, um, when we leave that level of power on the table, somebody else is gonna come and take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And I think what we see time and time again is that there are opportunistic politicians and corporations who get into the space that we leave because we don't believe that we can be powerful enough to change those dynamics. So what I would say to your cousin is, yeah, it's corrupt and it's messed up. And at the same time, um, what needs to change, right, is our relationship to it. Meaning um, we can't just sit back and expect that something's gonna be different. That if we don't put it on the line to say, you're not gonna keep making decisions about my life without me. If we don't put it on the line to say, we actually have a better idea about how this government and how this country needs to be run, then somebody else is gonna get into that space and they're gonna keep making our lives bad. Yeah, I think there's also like an element of how of storytelling in that and how Hollywood portrays like uh, the wins that we've had, right? They're always yes. some benevolent, you know, white person or politician finally had an epiphany right. and was the hero because they finally gave us what, what we should have always That's had. Right. Um, and not that it took community and coalition building and like long, long campaigns of of power um, and we are the fact that we're still here and that we're doing and we're thriving a lot of us um, with all of the supremacy white supremacy and such that we have to deal with is you know a testament to yeah, how powerful is a win, we are is a huge yeah. huge wins and we don't the way we tell stories is not yes or the stories that are allowed to be told <laughs> <laughs> are not um, what are some of those that, that inspire you um, that, that you think should be told? You know, one of these days, I hope that there will actually be some kind of movie or show about the movements of the last 10 years that actually are designed and written and shaped by people who help shape those movements. Ooh, yeah. I cannot tell you how weird it is to see something that I've been involved in and helped to build on screen and know that everything about it is wrong, mm. right? And also to know that I never got a phone call right. to be like, hey, how did this actually happen? Right. <laughs> right? I'm here. And it's not that difficult. In the Lord's year of 2020, with all this technology we have, how hard is it to actually get in touch with the people who helped to shape these things on the ground? So what gives me hope is that there are so many storytellers out there that are stepping up to say, I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And um, and you all are actually helping to give a platform to those, to those storytellers. And you both are storytellers in your own right. So for me, I'm hopeful about um, the space and the activism that groups like Color of Change are doing. I'm really excited about the work that we're doing at the Black Futures Lab to make black communities powerful in politics. And I'm really excited that I can now turn on my television and see Kendrick, right? Um, even though I was mad at you, but we'll talk about that <laughs> later. See, it was so real, right? The stories were so real that even though he's playing a character on television, I related to it so much that I was literally mad at you in real life. Right? And Bridget, the work that you're doing with Afropunk and really creating an unapologetically black space for not just black people to enjoy music and talent and art, 
but to give platforms to black artists and black creatives and you yourself creating this, this space for us to talk about things the way that we experience them and live them every day is invaluable. So we've made a lot of strides and this right here is what gives me hope. Oh my goodness, this is high praise from you. I mean, jeez. Um, that, that is something that yeah, I love she about. Really was, man. She came I really I was. believe it. I she mean, came at me. Legit. <laughs> I mean, legit. I think there's something to the idea that you just brought up, right? That when we see stories that feel so real, that we kind of have a lack of, that we see on our screen, we connect to it. And so, you know, with Insecure, seeing Black folks that look like me, like beautiful black young people, right. have identity crisis, That's you know, right. struggle with mental health, mm -hmm. all of these things that we know that, you know, make up our inner world, but that we don't see. Right. When we finally see it, we kind of pour ourselves into it. You know, oh it, it feels real because That's we've true. had a lack of it for so long. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I was always said, I'm sorry, I fall down. I was like, before we stop. But um, no, I, I think. <laughs> I, I'm always talking about with Insecure, for example. I mean, it's not just, because like what you were talking about and getting people involved and in the room, a lot of time, you know, I, I, I've done some panels and events mm -hmm. at these large networks mm -hmm. where people are asking, how do we tell these stories and tell them authentically? With, and, and their question isn't, yeah. how do we center the people and how do we hire these people to tell their own stories? It's it's more so in a roundabout way saying, well, how do we tell it without them? Right. You know, and I'm like, so what's you're, the easiest way from A to B? You know, right. so I try to, you know, cut right to the chase. And I'm like, listen, exactly what you're what you asking me is how to profit off of oppression That's right. without, you get what I'm saying? I do. Yes, I do. Without, you know, centering these people. And pay, like the first thing you need to do is bring them in before it even like pen hits paper. Correct and pay them. Right. Hello. And pay them. Hello? Because you could be, like like the story that you were telling earlier about wanting to turn on the TV and mm -hmm. see an authentically told story about the movements that you were part of, yeah. you could be a paid consultant on that project. Like, Hello. And why would they not want the person who lived it, the person who was there, to make their story more authentic? Like, Why would they not want that? I know why they don't want that, because those stories, right, are really dangerous in a context 100%. like Hollywood. Um, nobody wants to tell the story that actually um, what people are fighting for isn't just a regurgitation of what we have right now with black people in power, but what people are fighting for is to actually transform the way that this country operates, period, right? And so every time I see stories about Black Lives Matter, for example, those stories tend to water down um, what it is that people actually care about. And they want that, right? Black Lives Matter, even though it's now kind of like mainstream, it's still controversial for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it's still one of those things where people are like, yeah, sure, Black Lives Matter, but don't go too far, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, until we're able to see Hollywood as a center where social change needs to happen, and by change, what I mean is not just um, replacing the people with us, right? But also changing the ways that the dynamics happen to where stories are being told, to where people are being brought into the fold. That's really what's at stake here. So you you have a history in organizing. And so I've realized that one thing in Hollywood we don't have, um, which I'm trying to change. Okay, I believe it. Um, Let me know is, how I can help. Is 
organizing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a bunch of, uh, when you get into politics, you have, we've looked at how the Tea Party took over with all these local elections and how they really were targeting and, you know, um, strategizing long before we picked picked up on, and I say we loosely, um, in terms of like the left. Sure. Sure. Um, and, and then we caught on around 2017 or so and started looking at DA races and, uh, school, um, city, you know, council and all that kind of stuff. Right. What is school council? Uh, city council, school boards. boards. (laughs) Um, and so how do you, what, what advice do you have for organizing Hollywood in, in that same way and looking at are equivalent to local elections and, mm-hmm. and such. Mm-hmm. You know, at the Black Futures Lab is we try to get people with large platforms to use their platforms for politics and not just products. You're talking to millions of people every single day about, you know, the jacket you're wearing or the shoes you're wearing, and that's fine. That's the society we live in. But you could also be touching those people, talking to them about why school board races matter, why city council races matter. And I've been seeing you on the Instagrams, you know. Very good at it. Here's a thirst trap picture of me. And then let me tell you about how we need to close these jails, though. Right? And that is important because you are reaching people that our movements are still struggling to, to reach. And I think if we can figure out how to make sure that people who care in Hollywood, that have access to these platforms that can actually reach people who don't see themselves as political, but they love them some Kendrick Sampson or they love them some Issa Rae, right? If you all are talking to them about the things that are going on in their lives, we're, we're, we're well on our way to making a different kind of change. Alicia Garza, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me.